This is the Monitoring and Evaluation Boost with Godfrey Sincaba. Every week, we share tips and practical stories to help you master the monitoring and evaluation job and perform it to your best. If you haven't yet, please take a moment to hit that subscribe button so you're automatically updated about new episodes. And that way, you can continue to grow your m and career every day. It also helps to show your support to this podcast and improve its ranking on the platform. We really appreciate that effort. Now, let's get started. Hello, everyone. My name is Godfrey Senkaba. I'm your host, Monitoring and Evaluation Boost Podcast. This is episode 16, Hiring, Monitoring, and Evaluation Staff, Top 10 Tips for Managers, Part 2. Tip number six, a good oral interview may not positively correlate with the candidate job performance. Just because candidates interviewed successfully, it does not mean that they will perform the job to satisfaction. Don't bank on the oral interview alone as the only assessment activity for the candidates. People can actually prepare for an interview and can succeed. They can excel at it, but it may not necessarily mean they understand the job or that they will do it well. For M&D technical positions, quite often, when you only focus on the oral interview, you, you might get it wrong. You may not hire the best candidate. How about candidates who are generally introverts, who don't say a lot? Are you going to put them off? They're naturally people who are reserved. If it was all about that, then these people wouldn't exist in life. So have other assessment criteria over and above the oral interview. Remember also the job itself. If you're hiring for an M&D officer who is going to focus on the management information system, why would you think that this candidate who was reserved, who didn't talk much, cannot do that job. You cannot overlook him from an oral interview perspective just because he was generally too quiet. Look at IT. Sometimes IT people are not talkative. <laughs> I'm sorry if there's a talkative IT person listening. For you, an exemption. What about a candidate who is going to be talking with community members, training them, facilitating them? I would say if this person is so quiet, how will they be able to talk and communicate M&D data more effectively to others? Again, if you've understood the job and and you know what the job is going to solve, then you can make better choices at oral interview. All I'm saying is that don't focus on it alone. You may not make the right choice. Just because a person is quiet doesn't mean that they are going to underperform. Just because they have not passed that job interview does not mean that they will not do the job well. Or if they've excelled with flying colors, it doesn't mean that that is going to follow them on job performance. There's so many other factors that affect a person's job. All you can do is to be at least certain that they will perform a good job. And the oral interview is just one of the exercises that you can do to hire a good M&E staff on your team. Tip number seven, technical onboarding plan should be developed earlier than when the monitoring and evaluation staff starts work. Listen, good people, have you joined an organization and in your first week, second week or three weeks, nobody knows what you're doing. Nobody knows why you are there. Even your manager is not so sure what you're supposed to be doing. Come on. How did you feel? Managers, have you felt that you should be extending the start date of your new recruits because you're not ready? Again, hiring is not about going through the interview and finding the candidate. Hiring M&D staff also means that you go through the interview, get them in and help them start their job and perform it significantly. That is hiring effectively. All I'm saying, 
once you make that choice and you find the good candidate and they accept the job, begin on their technical onboarding plan. Onboarding doesn't mean human resource related process of orientation as a hiring manager. Technical onboarding goes beyond that and focuses on the job itself. What's the job all about? How they are expected to perform that job. Help them understand what the job is all about. Introduce them to all the technical officers. And those first two weeks or three weeks, please walk alongside your new recruit. Help them to feel comfortable. If it's about quality review of programmatic documents, help them understand that process. Help them understand them. If they're coming from the academia, help them to understand what really is needed in a practice organization. Help them know that here we want to be more practical. <laughs> Sorry, everyone who is in academia. I'm not saying that what you do is not nice. I'm only saying that there's a difference in terms of how we do it in the practice world. Instead of preparing a 30-page report that is so nice and nobody's going to look at, do a two-pager, do a three-pager. Help them understand what is going to be practical in this role. Help them understand how the job is going to work. If a person is leaving the practice world and you're hiring them in a university as your M&D officer, switch what I've just said. If they can review an entire report and prepare summaries, bullet points, let them know that here we do things differently. We expect you to go beyond that. We expect you to even defend your positions. If there is another person performing a similar job, tag team them. Let them be twin partners so that this new recruit can learn. Not that they don't know what they're doing, but they need to learn how it is done in your organization. Managers, technical onboarding is our responsibility for new staff. And it's part of the hiring. It should be part of your hiring work plan. The time you invest in recruiting, the same time should be invested in getting this person started. Help them understand how business is conducted. Help them to understand who is who, who is who on the team. Where do they need to go to get some piece of work? Who do they need to talk to? If they need to go to the field, help them even simple things like how to ask for refunds, how to ask for per diem. These are all things that a person needs to do. I may be knowledgeable in my area of field, but simple things I may not do, like writing a request for reimbursement. <laughs> How do you do that? Or asking for stationery. Please ask them whatever they need to do to be successful in that job is what you have to help them in their first two weeks, in their first three weeks. Lastly, job description. Remember, the job description will state the roles and responsibilities. But when it comes to work, we need to operationalize those roles and responsibilities. Please, this is the time during our technical orientation to help them understand when the job says you are responsible for conducting baselines and evaluations. But remember, the project has already begun and there's no baseline to be undertaken. Or the baseline is on, but since one is based at the country level, they're actually not going to conduct an evaluation. They are going to oversee they are going to coordinate with consultants or recruit consultants to do it, or they are going to connect with the field team who are going to do it. Please try to explain every responsibility, every role and responsibility on the JD in terms of how it applies in reality. That's your job. That's part of technical orientation. If you're expecting them to produce reports, high-level reports about data, maybe this is all about reviewing what the project-level staff are providing. Maybe it involves reviewing the annual performance reports and providing a summary. 
all this detail cannot be written in the JD. You need to interpret them. Maybe half of the roles and responsibilities in the JD are not applicable this particular FY. Let the person understand how they are going to do their job. And technical orientation should help you do that. My dear friends, technical onboarding plan should be developed earlier than when the M&D staff comes on board. Tip number eight, never aim to test whether the monitoring and evaluation candidate is knowledgeable about monitoring and evaluation alone. Rather, test whether they fit the role you have advertised. Let me ask you something. When you're recruiting for an M&D position, what is the number one skill you are looking for? I guess there are many. Maybe you want a person who is knowledgeable in M&D or you want a candidate who has a lot of experience doing M&D. It's a grave mistake getting in a person on an M&D job on the basis of how knowledgeable they are. In fact, this mistake makes many managers to design interviews that are like an M&D exam. You go to an interview and then they're asking you what is monitoring and what are indicators. Define a tool, define a method, define this, define that. Come on, this candidate is already qualified. If you shortlisted them, they should have a bachelor's degree or a master's degree in any field and with a concentration on M&E. Unless they're an M&E assistant, anybody who has one year or two years experience, I would assume already knows what monitoring is. Maybe you want to know how that applies or what their experience has been implementing or performing a job in monitoring and evaluation. Please don't make it an exam. Don't make it an exam. When we do these jobs, it's not all about technical knowledge. It's a whole lot of several other things. For an M&E staff to be successful, knowledge is just one. To apply that knowledge, they must have good relations with people. People talk about soft skills. These are equally important as the technical skills. Having the technical know-how is very important. And I agree with you. Assess them on that. But don't forget the soft skills. It's good to know that a person is knowledgeable. But it's great to know that they can apply that knowledge within a setting, within the context of your organization. It's about finding that right balance. Are they knowledgeable? Great. But will they fit in our organization? Will they work with others? Teamwork. Are they a good team player? It's not about me writing an evaluation plan or executing an evaluation. Somebody else is going to use those findings. How will they do that marketing job, selling job? Will they indulge and engage others in that evaluation exercise? Remember, it may not even be them to conduct the evaluation. It might be consultants, but you want a person who will manage the consultant. And managing relationship building is very key. So the point is that go beyond knowledge. Go beyond testing knowledge. In the practical world, we need application. Design interview exercises or activities that bring out the utmost application of their knowledge to that setting. In my experience, if I'm recruiting an M&D specialist to help with project proposal design, most likely I would want to know if they have experience in using logic models in developing project theoretic project design. Most likely I will want to ask them or test their knowledge on theoretical models, but specifically application. Give them a typical scenario. I'll give them a theory of change, well-written graphic and I ask them to critique it, you see? But I'm not asking them what is the theory of change. No, I've shortlisted candidates who already have that experience. I want application and I would ask them how they would advise the project team that developed the theory of change. So read through their feedback and see whether it means a lot. And when they pass all of that, when they come to the oral interview, it's more of a conversation, you getting to know them better. 
So don't aim to test on knowledge. Combine it with the soft skills because the typical practical M&D job, largest percentage of it goes towards soft skills. Number nine, never let your personal interests and fears override your objective assessment of the M&D candidate's capability. I repeat, never ever let your personal interests and fears override your objective assessment of the candidate's monitoring and evaluation capability. Naturally, we all want people who we can get along with. Earlier, <laughs> I talked about soft skills. I was in a conference somewhere and someone said, if soft skills are that important, then even if somebody is mediocre in M&E, as long as they have good relationship skills, I can work with them. That was his point. I only told him, be careful, be careful. They're only coming in because because they have a job to do. It's only the how to do it that really is very important. Back to the point, when you have to make that hiring decision, don't fear candidates. That is old school. It's old school. I don't have it written somewhere, but I would think old school generally has that the manager should be the most knowledgeable, should be the most experienced, best in everything. That is old school. Please and please, life has changed. Things have changed. Hire a candidate that is better than you hire a candidate that is better than you. Good people, if you're going for people you are better than in terms of education, in terms of skill, in terms of everything, then why do you hire them? Why? Because as a manager, your role is to make your team function better. You need to assemble a good team. You need to assemble a good team. My personal benchmark, if I'm on a panel and I see that this candidate is not going to add value to the team, then I have challenges. In fact, I am always skilled to a candidate who is better than me in many things because they will add value to me as a manager. When they succeed, I will succeed. I will have less sleepless nights. I will have less headache. I will have less time explaining nitty gritty things. I will be able to engage with them at a more strategic level. Managers, you need that peace of mind. Don't fear candidates. Don't fail to hire candidates just because you think they will threaten your position. That is old school. Old school. In fact, if I'm a manager and I get a good candidate who can be a manager, then I'm already seeing that I'm moving up because I want them to come on board, gain the experience, become a manager, and I move on. It's a test of my management skills if I have somebody to replace me. It's your test. Somebody should be able to take over from you. Hire good candidates. Of course, there's a lot of challenges in some of the contexts. I agree. Where you find that a manager, because of experiential learning and um, good luck and relationship building, soft skills, etc., you don't have a lot of knowledge on MD, but somehow you're the MD manager. Thank God you are. Now, use that opportunity to hire staff who can complement your skills. If you find a PhD holder, or if you have find somebody who has 15 years experience and you only have eight, don't run away from that candidate. Bring that candidate on board. He's going to feel the gaps you have. My dear colleagues, if we are going to perform our jobs successfully and perform them to significance, hire great candidates. My own personal interests, I hire candidates who are better than me, at least in something. I know my own weaknesses. I've self-assessed. I know what I can do well and I know what I can do. And I'm telling you where I am now, my team, each one of them is better than me in something. And I love it. It was my choice in hiring. I have good sleep at night. Even when I'm gone leave, I know they can take on. Please do that. And remember, be as objective as you can be. If this candidate is tough talking and you hate that, remember, they don't have to be your friend. No, they don't have to be your friend. Friendship will come. The professional friendship with your staff or the work relationship will come by fast 
and most important know your boundary know what you are supposed to do and they should know what they are supposed to do it's very important and as you're doing that with time you can build that working relationship i didn't know the stuff i have on my team we only met at the interview and i liked them and i've already told you my bias I want to hire people who are smarter than me at least based on my judgment that they're better than me in something I always need to find something they're better than me because I know they will add value to me as a manager and to the team and I show that to them that I know and I respect their space I know their skill and I love it I'm not undermined and I'm not threatened by any of that because all I'm doing I'm only steward of the role and I need to hire for the organization candidates who are going to make a difference so when we're hiring managers listen never ever let your personal interests and fears override your objective assessment of the candidate's monitoring and evaluation capability hire a person who is going to make a difference to you to the team and to the organization Tip number 10 aim for diversity on the team and don't treat it as an afterthought you have seen several job adverts that talk about diversity and say we are a diverse team or we respect diversity and anybody from all background and all characteristics are welcome that's how important and i love it if you are advantaged to have a team of more than two people then don't run away from diversity creating a diverse team a diverse team is very important and it's important in several ways. First of all, let's talk about the different issues for M&E that lean towards diversity. For example, if you're in a context and this context is represented by different people, men, women, tribes, people from all different tribes or professional biases, education, others come from agriculture to M&E, others came from methodology basically teaching and they join the M&E profession. All this is important. If you're an agriculturalist by training, please don't only recruit people from the agricultural background. Add in from other sectors. If you're naturally biased towards management information systems, don't look at every candidate to have this as a strong capability unless the job requires so. But let's say that all of the candidates have management information systems background. You may need to look at other capabilities. If you're manager and you're female, you may want to recruit a male M&D specialist. If you come from the northern part of the country, you may want to recruit candidates from other regions so that together you make a more representative team of your nation or of your community please be as diverse as possible in terms of the human demographics if you are in your mid 40s or mid 30s or mid 20s you may want to have staff who are in the other age brackets if of course they've qualified and they have the skills and that might be a decision get later if you have two great candidates who have equally the same skill then you may add in an indicator on diversity and make your selection based on how you want to strengthen the team if a person is abled differently please give them the opportunity give them a chance those lone or different voices will strengthen your team diversity is not an afterthought for any manager it is the real thought actually if i may use diversity is important and beyond this human demographics professional diversity is also very important as i mentioned look at their background training have all these perspectives because you're going to deal with the programs from all sectors if your organization implements agriculture food security and nutrition education and when you're making choices please be considerate of those other professional training background training if you're implementing in the education space 
then you may want to consider diversity in terms of educational tools, educational models, experience, or background organizations they worked for, so that all this experience can be harnessed by the team. Managers, when you're hiring M&D staff, diversity is a key metric to consider when you're making your final choice, and it should never be treated as an afterthought. To repeat for you, tip number one, never hire monitoring and evaluation staff without first confirming the needs the job will cover. Tip number two, it is always good to socialize the roles and responsibilities of the M&D position you're going to hire for to all the stakeholders for clarity and buy-in. Tip number three, know the plausible career path and growth opportunity for the M&D staff before you hire them. Tip number four, never undermine the human resource role, but don't suffocate under its weight. Tip number five, keep the program or business teams informed and engaged, but level their expectations. Tip number six, a good oral interview may not positively correlate with the candidate job performance. Tip number seven, technical onboarding plan should be developed earlier than when the monitoring and evaluation staff starts work. Tip number eight, never aim to test whether the monitoring and evaluation candidate is knowledgeable about monitoring and evaluation alone. Rather, test whether they fit the role you have advertised. Tip number nine, never let your personal interests and fears override your objective assessment of the M&D candidate's capability. Tip number 10, aim for diversity on the team and don't treat it as an afterthought. That's it for today. Check out episode 17, 18, and 19 that will cover how to prepare for a monitoring and evaluation interview. Specifically, I'll focus on you, the candidate. I'll also talk about the job description. And lastly, I'll talk about the organization. Remember to subscribe or follow this podcast and share comments in the chat box. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Monitoring and Evaluation Boost with Godfrey Senkaba. Please let us know your comments or any topics you would like to hear. And please check out our website, www.mandeboost.com. If you have comments about this episode or experiences you would like to share regarding the ideas discussed in this podcast, please let us know. Again, please visit our website to share. That's www.mandeboost.com. Thank you.